welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. First Kings 11, verses 1 through 4. On that note, I welcome you back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute, also broadcast on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. I'm Ryan Aris, and I am joined by Dr. Joe Boot. It's good to uh, good to see you here in the uh, the new normal once again. We've had good uh, to be back, Ryan. We've had a few uh, a few weeks of uh, of some great guests, some uh, some opportunities to get to pick up some interviews during the Worldview Leadership Academy that we hosted a couple weeks back in uh, in Port Colborne, uh, where we all got to uh, to sit around in person and have some excellent conversations. But we are uh, we're back to our uh, our remote video format, and uh, it's uh, it's been going well, uh, such as it is. Oh, well, thank you for uh, your ongoing support, and uh, just mention right off the top that uh, again we uh, we rely on the donations of uh, faithful supporters uh, week in week out to uh, to do this and all the other activities that uh, that we're about, and uh, if. Uh, if you're just uh, just coming alongside, uh, we are uh, we're grateful for your support. We're a uh, we're a nonprofit uh, charity, and you can uh, you can donate to uh, to help support to the work that we're doing uh, by visiting ezrainstitute.com, and uh, there is a there is a donate button. Those are tax deductible, uh, whether you're in Canada or the UK or the United States. Uh, you can uh, you can support us that way. That's uh, that's a real uh, encouragement and uh, enables us to keep on uh, doing this and making improvements to it and uh, all the other work that we do. Uh, another thing that you can do is uh, it sounds it sounds trite, it sounds formulaic, but like, share, uh, subscribe to the podcast. That helps to grow our uh, visibility. It helps more people. Uh, discover it, and uh, and that this really is one of the one of the key ways that uh, that people are getting the message of uh, of reformational thought and a uh, a sphere sovereignty worldview that applies to all of life and culture. Uh, if you've been sitting in this this worldview and this perspective for quite some time, it is it's been normalized, and praise God for that. But a lot of people have yet to discover it, and when they do, we're uh, we're overrun uh, with testimonies from uh, from people who say that fi- finding this kind of uh, of perspective is really like a cup of water in a desert. And so, by uh, by sharing it, uh, you can uh, you could be giving that uh, that cup of cold water, and that uh, that really is a a blessing and a joy. Uh, and an encouragement to us and to all those who are listening. So thank you. Having said all of that, uh, we're here on on one of the uh, the concluding uh, episodes of this summer series on issues facing the church. Uh, 
Uh, we've had uh, we've had several great guests and some uh, some regular episodes as well on some, several of these different issues. Uh, we've got a new series coming up in the fall uh, where we'll be interacting more uh, more in depth with some uh, some new news and opinion pieces uh, coming out of uh, regular media uh, news media that is to say. Uh, so that'll be uh, we'll be we'll be unrolling that in September October. Uh, but for now, uh, we're dealing with uh, the issue of Christian character today. Uh, the theme is uh, character and uh, the question of leadership. And Joe, we've we've been talking about this simply because not with any one person in mind, uh, but really we've been observing a trend. And we're going to have to name some names, but uh, it really it begins with, uh, or it it results in, or uh, reduces to a tr- a trend that we can observe amongst uh, the broader Christian world, uh, whether it's reformed or charismatic or uh, broader evangelical, of. Uh, some some high profile falls from grace uh, people who have had huge platforms been placed on uh, on tottering pedestals and have uh, have fallen in the past few years and n- names will be familiar to uh, to anyone who's been paying attention uh Ravi Zacharias Bruxy Cavey James McDonald Mark Driscoll uh we don't uh, we're not going to deal in depth or in detail with the uh the particular uh, uh, details of uh, of those cases, um, but uh, just the, these again are symptomatic of a larger trend amongst Christianity that uh, that tracks with the uh, the prevailing cultural assumptions, uh, such as the the devaluing of marriage. Uh, Financial improprieties, uh, which often uh, often tend to go together, uh, these are uh, these are thing, things that we can we can observe in broader culture. Joe, I know that uh, that you, uh, we've just said we're not going to deal in depth, but uh, you've got uh, you've got some some more experience with at least one of these personalities, and we're going to uh, we are going to deal with that and with the. Uh, the t- the experience of your time uh, with uh, w- when you served with uh, with RZIM, but uh, we're going to uh, to get into the the issue of Christian character and deal with a few few uh, sort of binary issues of where we we have seen culture shaping and informing the church. Uh, rather than uh, the other way around, the way it's supposed to be with the church as the, the pillar and support of truth, as the Apostle Paul writes. And uh, having, having that shape and inform the broader culture. So as we, uh, as we get into that, um, actually, one, one, of the, uh, one of the things that prompted this discussion, and uh, maybe we can start here, Joe, is uh, the news a couple weeks ago of, uh, of our dear leader, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, uh, announcing a separation from his wife. Uh, this is uh, this is this. You probably know this, but not everyone will know this. The only other uh, prime minister in the history of our nation to uh, 
to have a divorce while in office is uh, is Trudeau senior. So there is a there are the, the makings of of a family tradition here. But mm. whether uh, you know whatever whatever this says about uh, or re- might suggest or reveal about Justin Trudeau's own character or fitness for office, uh, this. This devaluing of marriage, the acceptability amongst the broader culture that uh, that he thinks that he he can u- use this situation to uh, and and get away with it and drum up uh, uh, all kinds of responses, but a sympathetic response being one of them. That uh, that we've got a population who has been so demoralized that that we're okay with a with our Top leader, top civil leader, uh, so going through uh, and uh, participating in in a divorce and thinking that that's all right, really, uh, like it, it says a lot about how far we've come from a uh, a biblical understanding of what uh, what covenant faithfulness ought to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you mentioned the fact that as we deal with our topic today, you know, on with issues facing the church and this whole question of character that in many respects what's going on in 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 Trudeau's life which we certainly don't rejoice in you know we we're not right. surprised yeah. uh because you know in many respects this has been coming for a while i don't think many people are going to be particularly shocked about this because the uh the and the Certainly, the rumor has been that for a long time this marriage has been um, something of a of a sham. We can't know that for sure, of course, but mm-hmm. that was the that was the word on the hill, and that's uh, right. Now yeah. this separation has has happened, and it just seems that you know this is the culture now. This is the norm, and and as you say, people barely bat an eyelid. And our concern really is that this kind of a mentality amongst leaders. Uh, has uh, deeply impacted the church. A lot of these falls from grace that you've been talking about are in this whole area of relationships. Some of them, of course, involve financial impropriety. Uh, usually sexual impropriety and financial impropriety often go hand in hand because it's a, it's an issue of deception mm-hmm. um, as well as infidelity. Um, and so, and of course, the Trudeau, a government and certainly Trudeau himself has been embroiled in all kinds of controversies uh, that it, that it, uh, have raised questions like the We Charity and all of that kind of thing. So I don't think many people are going to be that surprised by seeing the Canadian Prime Minister move in this direction. At some degree, I think the timing, uh, th- these things to me are, are quite cynical. I, I don't think, given the given the situation of the history of their relationship, the timing will be for a political purpose. The, 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 the mm. Trudeau government never does anything that, uh, or, or doesn't time anything that isn't uh, in some way politically expedient for them. And so that, that will be going on. But I think the, the relationship, the line that you're drawing here is an important one, is that the world and the world's attitude, and you're absolutely right in saying that this has been historically unheard of for a British prime minister or a or a Canadian prime minister to be separated or divorced uh, while in office. 
Um, in fact, uh, it's it's been an extremely rare thing for for even an unmarried person to be in Downing Street. In fact, I think um, apart from a, one single prime minister, uh, I think that Boris Johnson was the first cohabiting prime minister ever um, at Downing Street. Mm. And so you can see how the culture is invading and impacting the church so often now more than the church is informing and shaping uh, the culture. And that is reflected in these high-profile figures that we've seen all too frequently in the last few years uh, who have been placed on a pedestal very often and then fallen dramatically from grace to the point where with some of them you wonder whether their Christian confession was real at all. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, maybe uh, because uh, because I know that we we will get comments on that, and because you know you're uh, there's no secret about where where you've uh, where you've been in ministry before. Uh, maybe maybe we should start there and the uh, the case of uh, of Ravi Zacharias that uh, that really. All, all the all the sordid details really came out only uh, only after his death, but uh, but really a a sad and tragic case that affected uh, the entire organization and a lot of people who were uh, who were close to it. Um, mm-hmm. may, maybe uh, comment on where uh, where you had been, whether whether any of this was was evident to see from uh, from somebody uh, not necessarily next to him but closer to him than many others and mm-hmm. uh, what uh, what has the harvest been so far well i worked for that organization in my early career as a as a as a christian apologist and christian thinker uh, for about 7 years it's actually what brought me to north america um, and a lot of people That's who right. are familiar with the Ezra Institute actually won't be familiar with some of that early history because it was a long time ago now. I, I actually left the organization back in 2007. So what is that, uh, 16 years, <clears throat> 16 years ago. Um, so it was, a, mm. in some respects, me, it feels like ancient history. But as I look back on it um, and and I, you know, consider some of the reasons that I left the organization, um, even though the, the event itself uh, and and hearing about what what broke the news that broke the things that were un, were revealed over the last couple of years about um, Ravi Zacharias and it's painful to think about it. It is genuinely painful to think about it. It was it was very painful news when it broke um, for, for uh, not just for me but for people around the world who had worked within that organization, served the Lord faithfully in evangelism and apologetics. Um, and the sense of being, you know, so dramatically let down, and the sense of betrayal that uh, that you naturally have, and there will of course be people who were converted through the ministry, um, some people who may have been converted directly through the ministry of Ravi Zacharias himself. Um, what we must be uh, careful to to note is that the reality is is that throughout history, God has. Uh, spoken through some very unlikely sources, and that um, mm. not only have uh, God's prophets and servants been very fallible people, um, 
we see murder and adultery and, and so forth uh, not infrequent in the history of some of the, 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 the saints of the Old and, uh, and Newer Testament. Um, and such were some of you, the Apostle Paul says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. So God um, mm-hmm. has even spoken through Balaam's ass um, right. in that famous story. And so just because if, if, you, if you heard the message of the gospel for, through a fallible and f- badly fallen vessel, even somebody who now you wonder whether they were even a believer themselves, that doesn't mean that what you heard preached wasn't the truth, and it doesn't call into question your Christian experience. And that's really important to assert. There are people who preach the gospel out of false motives, uh, who think, like Simon Magus, that they can buy the power of the Spirit, but if you received the, the what is the word of God by faith, the sin, brokenness, fallenness of the vessel that uh, that you heard that news through, does not undermine your testimony, does not undermine your faith, does not undermine the truths that were shared or explained through that broken and in some cases ruined vessel, broken vessel. And what we have to do in those sorts of situations is Jesus says, well, the scripture says. Uh, that judgment is mine, says the Lord. All all judgment mm-hmm. has been committed to the Son. And so vengeance is mine, it's mine to repay. So when it comes to the issue of, 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 uh, of vengeance on these things, um, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Where we feel betrayed, where we feel hurt, wounded, let down, and so on, as many people will. Uh, not to mention, of course, vi- the victims, the direct victims of these people um, who who were victimized in in many cases by these ministry figures? Um, the judge of all the earth will do right, and he does hear the cry of the of the oppressed uh, and of those who have been um, misused and mistreated. Um, that's why the betrayal is so great, because Christians and Christian leaders, especially who are in positions of authority, um, have uh, a double duty. Uh, not only to teach, because they'll be subject to a strict, stricter judgment to teach what's right, but to live with integrity. And when those people let us down, the pain is that much uh, greater. So, yes, I mean, when you've worked, if you work uh, in the, um, the the Christian world as a as a Christian leader, um, if you if you work in a, a an itinerant ministry, uh, there is going, there are always going to be. Um, people that you encounter that were betrayers or were proved to be false brethren. Um, Even Jesus had a traitor in his midst. And so Mm -hmm. that's the reality is that being a Christian doesn't insulate you from these things. And, um, uh, but we mustn't let it undermine our faith or our confidence or our trust in the Lord. That that's, uh, that, that, that's vital. But I, uh, yeah, uh, so 16 years ago, um, stepped out of, of an organization um, where there was a, a celebrity leader, a very well-known Christian, uh, Christian leader. And as I look back on it, and as I look back on that time, I worked with wonderful colleagues, wonderful people around the world um, in many nations doing fabulous work on the front lines of evangelism and apologetics. And I'm immensely grateful for all of them and for the, the the their faithful service to to the lord and it's tragedy for them that many of them lost their jobs that their organizations folded um rzam canada folded i came to canada originally to establish right. rzam canada i did that for five years 
um, the organization folded when this revelation broke. Um, and um, that's that's a tragedy. Uh, but as I look back and as we walk through a few of the character traits, that, as we think about Christian characters, we walk through some characteristics today um, of uh, of where the where the pitfalls are, where the risks really are. As I reflect back on those early years of my ministry and think about the organization I was in, there were definitely early warning signs that um, that, that problems were there. Um, some of the reasons that I left the organization, in fact, um, were there were early warning signs that made my wife and I uncomfortable um, to the point where we decided our time our time was up and that we needed a, a new step for our family. And, um, you know, 16 years ago, that led to the establishing of the Ezra Institute and the Westminster Chapel in Toronto mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So, um, uh, but I'm, but I'm nonetheless grateful for all I learned in those early years through numerous colleagues, um, and, uh, the experience that I had, but I saw things even as a young man, that uh, that deeply concerned me. There was um, personality cult going on within the organization. It was very difficult for anybody to question or to challenge anything that the Grand Poobah um, had to say. Um, when things were seen by senior staff members uh, that they were concerned about, if you express concern, that was disloyalty. Um, there was um, a great deal of commercial um interest there was a sort of treadmill of publishing that uh, that that Ravi was on and i thought the quality of his books you know sank very quickly and quite dramatically from his mm. from his very very early books as he got on this publishing treadmill um so there was the celebrity issue style over substance became an issue uh, independence lack of accountability became an issue um charisma outstripping character became an issue um ambition over what real service to Christ um, was seen as an issue, um, certain amount of posturing um, over humility, and then reputation and sort of public image over the actual reality. And, um, you know, I'm not going to expose lots of personal detail about people. Um, uh, mm-hmm. That would not be appropriate in this, in this context at all. Um, uh, of things that, you know, I subsequently learned um, after right. um, uh, leaving the organization or certain things that I learned even in the organization, which um, made me just uncomfortable. They were things that on the surface you'd have looked at in isolation and said, oh, well, that's a, that's a, that's a minor blip or this is a minor hiccup or this is a sort of just a cultural problem or whatever. But added together, um, they added up to a disturbing pattern and, and, it, was, and it was in large measure that pattern that uh, led me to step down and seek to take a, a, a different route in things. So that would just be other people will have all kinds of different experiences with other leaders, other um, well-known pastors or figures, um, other well-known uh, ministries, um, and will be you know in the know in those situations. That was just happens to be most most people in public ministry will have encountered something um, of this sort during their during their if they stay the course during their ministry life even if it's at a much less high profile level that the the issues of character it's not just profile figures what happens is the temptations 
uh, become greater and the fall becomes further uh, when you are uh, put at a particular height. Um, and so those are the ones that grab headlines. But, but, but you know, we, are, we encounter these situations in very ordinary uh, contexts um, and uh, less high-profile environments. And so we need to be alert to these things. And so, you know, as we thought about issues facing the church today, we didn't just want to talk in this series about evolution and uh, uh, some of the obvious areas of of uh, uh, of compromise or cowardice and whatever, um, very topical issues, but also this issue of getting mm-hmm. to grips with the issue of character, that this is an issue facing yep. the church. As cultures decline, as the environment in which we live and serve declines, the great temptation is for that culture and its ways, its thinking, its habits to infiltrate the church, to be synthesized in the life of the church, in the habit patterns of leaders, in the thinking of leaders. Um, and so, for example, some some church environments start to look very much like ordinary commercial environments. And uh, they be- start to become run on many of the same principles. And we conflate um, uh, economic commercial contexts with the life of the local church. There's an economic aspect to the life of the local church, of course, um, but it's not a commercial enterprise. Um, that's just one illustration. Yeah. So there are lots of ways in which we see the um, the, the a, a very good example is, of course, celebrity culture. Celebrity culture. We are awash with celebrity culture today in the West. As we've lost sight of the worship of Jesus Christ, his lordship, serving his kingdom and his purposes, we've looked for God's small g elsewhere. Uh, and um, right. we... There is there is there is a there is a cult of, of there is a celebrity cult out there um, that that uh, dominates culture, dominates fashion industry, um, dominates the film industry, and people get very caught up in it. and And those influences they shape people's thinking, and it can infiltrate the way we think about Christian leadership, Christian uh, character, Christian media, the Christians in the public space. And so we have to be on our guard always about that. So Christian character, it cannot be overlooked in the midst of culture wars, in the midst of all the, the struggles, the, 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 the things being thrown against the church. If we are going to stand in our day and we're going to resist the tide of evil, then Christian character and cultivating that Christian character is absolutely vital. None of us are perfect. We're all we're all sinners. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, we shouldn't be leaping on every error and every mistake of the people around us as though you know we are in a position to judge. Um, you know, let's get the plank out of our own eye before we're removing the speck in somebody else's. That's a critical teaching too. Mm-hmm. None of us should set ourselves up as the moral arbiters of of uh, the absolute moral arbiters of righteousness and act in self-righteousness. Let's concentrate on our own character um, and uh, and being faithful. And of course, the proper authorities in the life of the church um, and uh, at times, if it becomes criminal in the life of the state, need to in- intervene in the areas that have where they have proper jurisdiction in terms of the principles of sphere sovereignty. So... Um, we shouldn't allow discussions around Christian character either either to become gossip fests, which is what they also often That's become. Right. That in the name of, you know, prayer for concern and, uh, um, you know, um, a, uh, 
a love for the church and for integrity that actually people just start to enjoy a sort of feast of gossip and uh, nothing uh, yeah. you know attracts a greater feeding frenzy than a fallen christian leader and so we need to be on our guard against that too i think our our exhortation would be let's let's focus on our own characters um and um and 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 being faithful to to to, to those nearest to us and dearest to us in our family in the life of the church in terms of mutual accountability and encouraging and exhorting each other. Um, let's not become Pharisaic, self-righteous arbiters of morality on the internet um, and uh, enjoy feeding frenzies of gossip because that's equally destructive. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, look to your own house first. So Joe, you've, uh, you've mentioned a couple sort of, uh, binary approaches i guess to uh this uh, this qu- this question of character and its its related issues and rather than trying to go into lurid details of you know this this guy or that guy in contemporary contexts uh let's uh, let's lay out uh, some of these uh, some of these oppositional characteristics uh what uh what a biblical counselor would call the putting off and the putting on, and uh, let's mm-hmm. let's look at them uh, with some uh, some scriptural illustrations, and uh, show uh, draw out what uh, what the Bible itself has to teach us about uh, how how we ought to live in terms of these uh, these virtues or vices. Uh, the first one yeah. uh, that you've already alluded to is uh, style over substance. And this is a uh, this is a common sort of uh, phrase. Everyone everyone has an idea what it means, but where where is where is somewhere that we see this uh, even in scripture? Mm-hmm. Well, there's probably lots that could be said about this one, and there'd be there'd be numerous um, scripture illustrations where we see this coming to the fore. And I'm sure there's crossover with some of these these characters as well. But usually what we mean by by style over substance is when we are um, we're compromising in some way so that uh, the 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 culture, uh, if whether it's local culture, church culture, wider culture will approve of us. Um, And so instead of substance. Um, being our focus, what, what is the what is the substance of our character? How are we walking with the Lord? Um, how are we walking in obedience to God's law word? What are the 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 disciplines, of, especially, and if we're in Christian leadership, what what are the disciplines of our handling of the word of God? Um, are we cultivating faithfulness? Uh, are we cultivating uh, uh, discipline in the study of God's word? Are we seeking to walk closely with the Lord in prayer? Um, these sort of basic issues of substance, are, are we concerned to, as Paul said to Timothy, you know, present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth? That, that, that's, that's true, not just for Christian leaders, but all of us, um, we, that we should be workmen who don't need to be ashamed. Um, uh, we should uh, seek to present ourselves to God as those who are approved uh, by God. 
And as Paul says in Romans 12, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. So there's there's multiple ways in which God wants to develop true substance in us. Yes, doctrinal substance, but um, the, the spiritual substance that involves both the inner and the outer man uh, in a life of integrity, in a life of faithfulness, in a life of troth, of truth and, and verity, um, and that those are most important. Um, the style with which we do things, so much emphasis today is put on tone and style and how are you coming across and what do you look like and um, are you, um, you know, even your, your, the appearance of a person, you know, how trendy they are, how they dress, you know, the, the, the whole uh, question of whether we are, um, frankly, with it, you know, I mean, that sounds like a very kind of expression my parents would have used, but, you know, the, the whole idea mm-hmm. that, that really yeah. that the key to uh, somehow success is that the style needs to be right. And if we get the style right, which usually means a style that, that, that is suitable to our culture, the, the, you know, if we put the clothes yeah. of culture on, then that is what will mean um, success uh, for us as Christians and especially in Christian leadership. And one account that I was reading recently that kind of struck me in this regard was the the conquest of Jericho and uh, a, a kind of a parallel struck me when I was reading this. In the con- conquest of Jericho, there was a requirement in Joshua 6 that uh, God said, if you take any of those things um, mm. that God has set apart for destruction, basically, that God has has banned. Um, if you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and bring disaster on it. That if you, that uh, when God, when, when God was giving his people the land of Canaan, um, according to his promise, there were certain things that he said, you're not to, you're not to touch any of this. This is, I've devoted this element to destruction. I don't want you to have anything, anything to do with it. Um, it's the, it's the clothing, it's the style of Babylon and it doesn't, it doesn't belong with you. Um, and in, uh, chapter seven of, uh, of Joshua, um, there's an incident where, 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 uh, Joshua is defeated at I, AI, uh, and, uh, people are, the, the people of Israel are fleeing, and they're defeated. Joshua can't understand what's going on. And so he tears his clothes and he falls on his face and he asks the Lord, what's going on? Why have you brought us out here? Um, why did you bring bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? What can I say uh, now that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies? So if we emphasize style over substance, one of the consequences, as with Joshua, um, and the incident that I is that we end up actually running uh, away from our enemies. The, 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 the substance isn't there. When, when the pressure is on, uh, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the battle is raging, we find that when style is emphasized over substance, <laughs> the, the, the style evaporates, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the style means nothing. Um, it's, it's empty. 
And so this is a this is a significant issue. And the reason that in Joshua six and seven that this defeat happened was that Achan had taken some of the the things that God had handed over for destruction. And I found the the item was very very interesting. Uh, the the he says when I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon. 20 silver shekels and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them. Um, this, the, the cloak of Babylon, mm-hmm. the wealth of Babylon, he, he wanted. And he wanted to, to use that. But God had already said, no, this can't be used in terms of my purposes. This can't be used to advance the cause of the kingdom. This can't be used in terms of my covenant purposes. And when style is emphasized over substance, it's like that. It's like Aiken saying, I'm going to grab a, a Babylonian coat here. This is going to be really useful. Um, we, want the, we want to use the wealth of Babylon over against the, the, the substance of the kingdom and of the word. And, uh, uh, and the result will be defeat by our enemies, fleeing from our enemies, because there's a lack of substance. You know, Kierkegaard used to talk about um, a the the problem of superficiality. That's the word, superficiality. And he said that superficiality is a revelation of emptiness. It broke down the distinction between um, revelation and uh, emptiness. Hmm. And that's what superficiality does. It's a revelation of emptiness. And this is what sometimes when, you know, when we come across something that has all the right style, you've got the smoke machines, you've got the lights, you've got the, the tats, you've got the skinny jeans, you've got everything. The style is all there that, that, that we think is going to you know, address the culture. We've got all the, uh, the, the, the robes of Babylon, but it's superficial. And the reason that's a contradiction is that how can you have a revelation of emptiness? If it's empty, there is no revelation. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's at the heart, actually, of the, the problem of style over substance. It's the problem of superficiality. And that which is superficial has no staying power. And that's why when the pressure comes on and the battle rages, it has no ability to resist. Right. You know, let's not covet the robes of Babylon to, because we think this is going to make the message of the kingdom and of the gospel look better and more attractive. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and all of these, uh, all of these issues or all of these pairs that we're dealing with, they're all, they're all related. Of course, uh, you don't, uh, someone need not necessarily participate in every one of them, but, uh, this next one, uh, has a sort of very clear, uh, connections to this, uh, this question of style over substance. And that's the uh, the opposition of celebrity power, or what's uh, what the kids call influence, uh, over or compared to uh, faithfulness, uh, specifically faithfulness yeah. to uh, to God's vision for for what uh, what you ought to be doing, yeah. especially if you're in a uh, a leadership role. And that's uh, yeah. Actually, we we talked about uh, we we read about. Uh, the story of Solomon and his at the beginning of his downfall uh, at the start of this podcast, and that's that was the uh, the biblical case that uh, that kind of highlights this binary here today. Yeah, well, Solomon's an excellent case, I think, because 
his his wisdom was God-given. I mean, it was yeah. genuine. And, and actually, when we talk about some of these characters who have fallen, not all of them were people uh, without substance. That's right. Um, who were who lacked any kind of insight or wisdom or ability and so on often gifted people uh often people with a great deal of wisdom in a given area um and often people too being used by the lord and solomon is an interesting case how is it that the scripture charges him with not being faithful to the lord in the way that his father david was i've often thought about that because mm-hmm. david King David was a sinner. Um, King David sinned greatly uh, with Bathsheba. He committed adultery. He then basically arranged the murder um, of um, Uriah. Um, uh, And we we often will look at David as an example of, you know, a fallen um, uh, man who sinned against the Lord. But what was the difference? It's it's not that God is demanding sinless perfection in the sense that, um, well, of course, does Jesus does, in fact, say, you know, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But he's also acquainted with our weaknesses. He's been tested in all points just as we are, yet without sin. He knows that we are dust. So faithful biblical teaching recognizes all my righteousness is as filthy rags. I stand only in the righteousness of Christ. So we're not talking about sinlessness here uh, and and the idea that, you know, the only true servant of God is going to be sinless. Clearly, that isn't the case with David. And yet David in 1 Kings 11 is referred to as one who was completely devoted to Yahweh, his God. Um, and that's an interesting way of, of putting it, that, that, that his father, David, Solomon's father, David, was completely devoted. Why? Well, because David was a repentant man. David was one who renewed his covenant commitment to the Lord, created me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He didn't take all his sins to the grave and have them all exposed after his death. Right. You know, David addressed and dealt with his sin and rebellion. Um, and of course, God used Nathan the prophet to, to, to bring it to him. And he was humble enough to receive that, uh, to hear the word of the prophets. Now, Solomon is an interesting case, I think, because, you know, we, we can't, of course, make a one-to-one comparison between ancient celebrity and modern celebrity. But as far as ancient celebrity goes, Solomon pretty much had it, right? He was right. known yeah. over the known world. He was, scripture says very plainly, he was famed for his wisdom. Even the queen of Sheba, the queen of Egypt, uh, comes to hear the the wisdom of Solomon. And so, and they didn't just want to hear Solomon talk about theological things. Mm -hmm. We're told in scripture that he held forth on topics like the animal kingdom and the trees and, 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 and the birds and so on and so forth. That, that he had a, a tremendous wisdom. He heard, he heard all kinds of cases, and his fame spread throughout the world. Now, who of us would not think or not recognize that any sinful man with that kind of fame, that kind of adulation, you know, when, when the great leaders from around the known world, the great queens of the known world come to sit at your feet to hear your wisdom, that's going to have an impact on your ego. 
in, unless it's remarkably kept in check by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And God warned Solomon in specifically that this fame, that this notoriety was going to bring the temptation of various alliances, various political alliances in his case. Uh, and those alliances were usually cemented through marriages and uh, frequently concubinage. And God said, if you do this, it's going to drag you away after other gods. And it's a terrifying read, First Kings 11, because we're told that Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, uh, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and un- unlike his father David, he did not completely follow Yahweh. Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, and for Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites on the hill across from Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives who were burning incense and offering sacrifices to their gods. What's the consequences? The kingdom is torn from him. He's judged for it. So you have here, I think, celebrity power of an ancient kind leading to alliances that were inappropriate, um, that were that in the end were idolatrous, mm-hmm. and he loses his kingdom for it. And what you often see uh, in our Christian culture now is this kind of celebrity culture. Very often the celebrity leaders uh, and the celebrity pastors, they kind of scratch each other's backs. They uh, will will frequently build these alliances. Um, and not all, not all, let's be fair, it's not all, but some. And um, this sort of mutual reinforcement of um, the, their, uh, the, their celebrity s- status and instead of, you know, it's it's not that we can hold leaders or pastors for being at fault for becoming well-known. That's going to happen. God, and God do, does use faithful people uh, who become well-known. Um, yeah. And that in itself is not a problem. Uh, the apostles were well-known. Yeah. Um, but it has to be dealt with properly. And if celebrity starts to, uh, and, and of course, what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't reinforce celebrity or cult of personality in, in Christian culture. Somebody may be well-known and respected, and that's fine. If, if people are deserving of respect because they're being faithful, fine. But if we turn that into a pseudo-Christian celebrity culture, we start developing cults of personality. We start following Apollos, following people. Um, I follow Cephas. No, I follow Apollos. No, I follow such and such, and I follow so-and-so. Then we fall into sectarianism. Um, that then tempts men followers to to to, to the, the the individual might start to receive that adulation um, and fall into this celebrity cult and culture, which leads to unfaithfulness. And so often we see this, Ryan, that somebody becomes well known, they start to glut themselves on their celebrity status, others massage it and sort of uh, reflect, bask in the reflected glory and so on, mutual reinforcement of celebrity culture, and then unfaithfulness strikes because people start believing their own press, reading their own cuttings, 
um, and so on and so forth. And so that's a that's another major danger. And I think I think Solomon, in in terms of the ancient world, it seems to me as I look at that, that's part of what he fell into with these you know hundreds of wives and concubines. He was so famous, people wanted alliances with him. It all went mm-hmm. to his head. He starts thinking, well, I can get away with. Uh, what God has forbidden. I can have all of these wives. It won't affect me. And in the end, he's setting up altars to idols and it's detestable and he does what's evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Well, purely in the interest of time, we're going to suspend our discussion here and I'm going to turn this into a two-part episode. We'll be back next week to conclude this conversation with more risks that Christians, uh, and especially Christians in leadership positions, will need to be on guard against. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, and we remind you as ever that from him and through him and to him are all things. May God be glorified. We'll be with you with part two next week.